God intended us to use both sides of our brain, right? So on the creative side of my brain, uh, I, you know, I had to come at these various challenges or obstacles with a, with a different power, with a different source. You know, uh, in Second Timothy, it talks about God didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. He gave us a spirit of power, love, and the sound mind. I tapped into that. I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit lives right here inside of me. And that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same kind of power I can tap. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hey, welcome back to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. Uh, my name is Travis Salonia, and this is Donovan Beyer. Hello. Uh, and Donovan, tell us about your voice today. Oh, you know, I've just come down with a little bit of a cold, so my voice is not doing that great. So you'll hear a little less of me today than you normally do, but uh, I'm still sure it's going to be a great conversation. Hey, we're so glad you joined us. And uh, if you're new to this journey, we've been on this journey. This is season two, and we are uh, talking spirit-empowered leader. How does the Holy Spirit guide us as leaders, not just leaders in the church, not just leaders in a pew, but leaders in life, leaders in our marriages, leaders, leaders in our family, leaders in our careers, wherever God has called you. And so we are talking with people. We are talking about it. We are trying to grow. Uh, Donovan and I just want to grow as leaders, uh, to be honest, and we're, we're growing together. And so we're forming a community of people that go, hey, we want to grow as a spirit-empowered leader that God's called us to do it. And so we're, we're talking different subjects. And uh, this week, we're going to dive in with our guests kind of to the area of success, um, talk about uh, how how this person has navigated success, how they navigated success at a really high level. Um, Donovan, it makes me think of like Psalm, when I think of success, I think of Psalm 37. It says, the mm -hmm. Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the mm -hmm. Lord upholds him with his hand. Mm -hmm. Success is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's interesting because I think how you measure success and how you even think about success changes from person to person. And and I think, the, the and even there's a biblical vision of success in a lot of ways. And so I think it's a journey that we're all on. What does it look like to live a life that's successful, that that we see God moving through? There's a legacy. There's there's more than us. We're, we're living for his kingdom. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear kind of how somebody who's had a lot of success, kind of in some ways in how the world thinks of it, but how he's kind of thought about it in a kingdom way. Yeah, our guest today is uh, Mike Frank, and uh, Mike has been very successful at the leadership level of Fortune 500 companies, uh, PepsiCo, Taco Bell, uh, Walt Disney, um, and Level 3 Communications was uh, kind of his last major company that he was involved in. And that's funny, Donovan, I remember studying as an engineer, and Level 3 was at the cornerstone of the internet. 
And wow. so he was in the founding part of a company cool. that the the way that you can even watch his video or listen to this podcast and data is because of this guy's company and ended up it's sold for billions of dollars. Um, he's just been involved. But but the cool thing of his story and, and just finished going through his book here, and it's all about an executive search for significance. And, mm-hmm. and, and just this whole idea of, you know, f- significant, how do I make my life significant? And he found the Lord in this journey. Um, it's a journey of pain. It's not, it's not just easy all the way. And so I just, it's really cool. It's going to be cool to just kind of hear his story and hear mm-hmm. the conversation, what he would say uh, to us that are younger, that are um, maybe those watching that are in the business world, they're navigating that. How do you how do you live a spirit-filled life in that area? And what mm. does success look like? That's good. We are so honored today to have Mike Frank joining us. Uh, Mike has been in executive level leadership for over 30 years in some Fortune 500 companies in America. And uh, God has used him in tremendous ways to uh, move the kingdom forward. And uh, just excited to have you, Mike. Thanks so much for being part of the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast today. My pleasure. And uh, and you have a book, uh, Prosperity with a Purpose, which is an incredible book. And uh, my wife and I had a chance to to read that and, and just so impacted by your journey. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll jump into the journey, but tell us about Robbie and, and your family and uh, yeah. Yeah, well, um, kind of the place I like to start is in 1993, um, I was uh, already a vice president of PepsiCo in uh, Laguna Beach, California. And um, I wasn't a believer. I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't a believer. And I reluctantly agreed to go to church one Sunday. And, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to sit near the back in case I want to bolt out (laughs) there. But uh, that Sunday, the pastor had a, a business guy get up. He was a business owner, CEO, and he gave a testimony. And you know, I was like, wow, this is not at all what I expected. I had grown up in a Catholic tradition, and we didn't do things like that. So uh, anyway, the Lord caught my attention uh, that, you know, I don't have to give up being a business guy and, you know, making money and having fun. And I saw this guy, uh, the the CEO that was given the testimony, and he looked just like me. And he talked like me. And so uh, that was the beginning of my spiritual journey was um, shortly thereafter, I got saved, gave my life to Jesus. And, um, but I was still vice president of PepsiCo. And uh, so, um, you know, that was a real turning point for me. And by that time, let's see, my wife and I got married in 1977. So I would have been you know, about 15, 16 years into my marriage. And my wife got saved, believe it or not, kind of the same time. We were both 38 years old, which doesn't happen very often. And so um, uh, we've now been married 46 years. We have um, 
four children. Um, in my book, I detail, uh, we had one daughter that um, was born with some problems and um, she's in heaven now. But we have three children that we love, they love us, so all is good. Mm. That's awesome. That's really cool. And uh, currently, where where are you now? What are you up to these days? Well, you know, I split my time uh, in between three places. Uh, I'm in Florida right now. We have a home here. And I also have a home in Omaha, which is where my wife is from. And then uh, two kids that live in Southern California. So we're out there quite a bit as well. And you know what? I'm I we're kind of all over the the planet in some respects uh, with technology, which you know I have a little bit of a background in technology. But you know you can kind of live where you want to live. But uh, main areas of influence are, um, you know, in definitely in the marketplace. I'm a speaker. Um, I do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I can preach in the, you know, in a church on Sunday and, um, my wife's currently got a book that's almost ready to be released and we pretty much do everything together. Anything from, we do marriage retreats to, um, you know, last week I was in, in Dominican Republic and I was speaking in Congress at the Dominican Republic and speaking in a women's prison. So it's all over the map. Um, but a bit extensive background in big ministries. Um, I've been on the board of YWAM Youth with a Mission uh, with Lauren Cunningham in Hawaii. I have um, uh, was on the, I was the chairman of the board at IHOP, the House of Prayer in Kansas City with Mike Bickle. Mm -hmm. I've been uh, on so many different boards and traveled with and uh, been a part of different ministries all around the globe. Uh, I have a real heart for Israel. I don't know if that gives you enough of an overview. Yeah, of that's awesome. <laughs> so great. Well, why don't we jump in? And you kind of started us on that. And I think um, let's let's hear a little bit about your leadership journey and we've been asking people talking about okay we're talking about spirit empowered leader how how that and you know in reading your book and how you talk about um this journey of success and i think um you know every one of us in life are looking for success what's my purpose what's how do i be successful and whether you're a believer or not a believer there's this drive inside of us and and uh that's i really appreciated that journey because you're being honest and vulnerable and um okay what how did that and you started out um in these companies yeah and, you uh, know you know, I kind of have to go back to, you know, I, I was not the best student in school, but I did learn uh, something that I, it's been called emotional intelligence, um, which basically boils down to two things. One, you got to know yourself and leverage yourself into the right situation. Two is you got to be able to get along really well with people. And those two are... You, they, they say that that's the biggest predictor of success is emotional intelligence, not IQ, not test scores, not your GPA. It's emotional intelligence. And 
for whatever reason, I was high in that area. So success came early and it came quick. And, you know, I was by my early 30s, I was a vice president of PepsiCo. And, um, and PepsiCo is exactly the right. I believe that looking back that God put me there because <clears throat> PepsiCo uh, owned Pepsi-Cola, Frito-Lay, and at that time, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC. 500,000 employees around the world. And we had an insatiable appetite for leaders. When you have that many leaders, if you do the math, back then, a typical span of control, meaning one leader could lead 10 people. That was what, 50,000 leaders we had to hire and, and care and feed for. And that was a big part of my role within PepsiCo was helping to um, identify who the leaders were, then develop them, give them, you know, the right assignments. Um, and then I was responsible for kind of who got promoted and what their compensation programs were and just so it was a real training ground for me to really understand um, leadership in a business context. But a lot of the same principles apply, whether you're in full time paid ministry or healthcare or whatever, um, you know, all work gets done by people. And sometimes we lose sight of that. You know, we think, you know, uh, somehow magically the computer gets the work done, but all work done gets done through people. So being able to lead and and uh, have people follow you, um, that's becoming a very valuable uh, skill set to have. And I feel like uh, I got immersed in that early and I feel like um, God's shown me how to apply that and no matter what arena I find myself in. Yeah. And so as your journey progressed from Pepsi, what kind of happened next or how did God then you met you met God, right? In a real Yeah. Way. Yeah. I was I was at PepsiCo in Los Angeles. Um and uh you know my my walk with the Lord was slow. I was so you know preoccupied with work and you know my habits were grooved uh my the expectations were that i continue to perform at a high level so i didn't grow a lot during the first few years uh, that i was uh, a believer but i ended up at walt disney um in burbank in hollywood and um uh you know at that time it was the most creative company on the planet and arguably it still is probably one in the top two three most creative companies but i ran into talent at disney that was the best in the world and uh uh you know so me using some of these skills that i had acquired at pepsico really served me well there and you know uh i was it was kind of crazy because you know um you know, Disney uh, was in Hollywood. It's a dark place. <laughs> you know, most people have an idea of Disney in the theme parks and, you know, that and, and you know, the happiest place on earth. Well, I, 
I will tell you firsthand that is not true of Disney and Hollywood. There's a lot of darkness, a lot of um, competing spirits. And so uh, I had to navigate some pretty tough times during that era. But uh, a crazy thing happened. I, I started getting a little deeper with the Lord there just because I felt I was under a spiritual kind of attack almost every day. Uh, you know, all these um, uh, gay rights stuff were starting to happen, and I was right in the middle of all that controversy, and it was it was tough. But um, I ended up, this would be in 1990, uh, let's see, four or five, I ended up going to a Promise Keeper event. That was a big men's movement back in the 90s. And um, I got challenged at that uh, event. There were 40,000 guys in a Angel Stadium, which is in Anaheim, California. Mm. And I felt like the Lord was just talking directly to me during that conference. And um, uh, he used Coach McCartney, who was a famous college football coach here in the United States. And um, the question was uh, for the men, you know, whose dreams have you been living? Yours or your spouse's? And um, second question was, do you even know what your spouse's dreams are? And I, like I said, I felt like God was using coach to talk out of 40,000 men. He was talking to me. <laughs> And the answer was I that we were living my dreams and I didn't know what her dreams were. Make a long story short, I, I go home, we talk. She finally shares with me. She was a little upset that I didn't understand what her dream. And I don't mean dreams of the night. I mean, dreams of the heart. That mm -hmm. I didn't understand that. And then she realized, well, maybe I haven't ever told him, you know. And when she finally did, it was two things that really threw me for a loop. One was, I don't want to live in Los Angeles. I, I, my parents need me. I want to move back to Omaha, Nebraska. I'm like, oh, no. And the second part of her dream was, I don't think I'm done having kids. We had two children at that point, kind of teenagers. And I'm like, oh, no, we're going to start over with baby. <laughs> So I'm like, God, what did you get me into here? <laughs> and because uh, I don't want to disappoint her, obviously, but how am I going to pull this off? You know, where, you know, I'm uh, I'm at the pinnacle, really, of my career. And um, so I cut it. I made a deal with God. If it was going to happen, he's going to have to pull the strings and make it happen. And so about a week later, I get a phone call, headhunter says, Mike, aren't you from the Midwest? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I have a, a great opportunity I'm doing a search for. And I think you'd be perfect. And he said, uh, and oh, by the way, it's in Omaha, Nebraska. Wow. So um, God came through. I love the people. It was, it was backed by Warren Buffett. Uh, Buffett invested in us. I was in the same building with Warren Buffett. Uh, I love the guys. Uh, we were well-funded. And uh, I committed to a lot of people, I'd committed career suicide to leave Disney for this startup telecom company called MFS. But 
you know, God had other plans. And his plan was in two years, we sell this company for $14 billion. Wow. Last day I ever had to work. Wow. So, you know, conventional, traditional, worldly wisdom would have said, what a fool you are, Mike. But I felt like I was being led by the spirit during that season. And I was obedient to it. And um, God just made some crazy things happen. So my wife was with her parents. We did have two more kids. I made enough money. I I was I had an hour and a half commute each way in, in Los Angeles. And then I ended up with a, like a seven-minute commute in Omaha. Wow. So, Anyway, that was uh, that was kind of uh, my first really big kind of hearing from the Lord, obeying the Lord, and watching Him come through in a pretty major way. Hmm. Well, that's really cool, Mike. Um, I I just want to dig into a little bit more um, after you got saved, after you decided to really give your life to Jesus. Did you notice anything change in in how you led and how you led other people, how you led yourself? How you led, you've already kind of spoken to how you led your family. Um, but uh, as you were leaning into this new reality of following Christ, like how did you see that impact the way you led day to day? Well, I think, um, you know, when I was at PepsiCo and I got to say PepsiCo is known for high performance. We hired the best people and we paid them well, but we expected huge, huge amounts of time and energy. I mean, they're in, in essence, they're lifeblood. Um, that was the deal we made. You know, you give us your lifeblood, we'll make you rich. <laughs> and um, so it was in an atmosphere of everything was performance based. And all of a sudden now I had felt like my heart had softened. I felt like my heart was more open and um, I was more compassionate. And um, I didn't have all the principles down that I do now about, you know, what does the scripture say about this and scripture say about that. But I just felt like there were times where I made a different choice either that impacted me or the people that I was responsible for. So I was writing, you know, I was responsible for all the people policies for 140,000 employees. when I was, you know, doing the fast food thing for PepsiCo. And I just felt more um, kind of guidance. And, you know, with that, kind of Holy Spirit guidance and then the combination of my heart softening, I think I became a better executive. I think I really became the pastor at work in some ways. Oh, cool. That's so cool. And in your, you were, a lot of your career was human resources, people, culture, probably, you know, forming that. And um, that's just so cool how how you were able to in these companies just just set the tone and set kind of hey this is how we're going to treat and honor and yeah. 
And um, that's just that's just so many times I think we we think business and the church will look at business leaders and go, okay, just give us your money and 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 yet the the expertise and resource and and just to know your impact even in kingdom and how that that's not just money. It's it's who you are and what God's done in you as a leader. And I think there's a shift happening. I believe in the body of Christ right now where. Um, we realize uh, the gifts in each person and not just the resources, but. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, here's what here's what I would say about the shift that's happening. I think the scriptures gave us a perfect model and maybe pastors won't agree with me on this, but I think the model is Ezra and Nehemiah. And, you know, Ezra was the priest, but, you know, he was in Jerusalem and the walls were still broken and he was trying to rally the people and trying to bring infrastructure, but wasn't going so well. Yeah. And Nehemiah comes on the scene and he's got these different skill sets where he can go out and, you know, do some reconnaissance and then put a plan together and then get people motivated and then get them resourced. And the two of them together, to me, represent the model that I think is supposed to happen in, in the kingdom. And we've, we've, we've not been there. We've, we've said the model is, hey, the, the ministry guys first and everybody else is underneath that trying to serve that vision. And I don't think there's been a recognition that um, that God gives business people, or in any other you know marketplace arena, um, visions. And if the two, you know, in the case of Ezra and Nehemiah, one plus one equaled three, because the city got rebuilt, prosperity was returned, law and order happened. Um, just all boats kind of got lifted. And I don't know why we've been so resistant to kind of accept that as a reality instead of just, uh, I think there's some, uh, I think some, you know, ministry people, pastors might be threatened a little bit or they don't want to give up and share the power and they don't want to share the platform. And, and but man, where, where I've seen it work, it's powerful. So you moved to Omaha. Um, this this company took off. It sold. Then what what happened next? Well, I was uh, for, well. We had uh, one of the kids, Christian, our son, who's now twenty six or so. He showed up on the scene, and um, we were pregnant with number two of the second set. And uh, um, so this is a crazy story. So uh, Bill Gates from Microsoft had helped us acquire a company for this first telecom company. Our company was named MFS. Yeah. He helped us buy this little company uh, called UUNet, which was really the first really stable uh, portal into the internet. And so we bought them for like $2 billion. <laughs> anyway, Gates knew us. And he he was, he uh, fast forward a couple of years later, he's in Aspen at the, there's an, a thing called the Aspen Institute where a lot of the big thinkers get together. And, and Buffett was there as well. And Gates said to Buffett, hey, if those guys in Omaha are still available, uh, 
that team, tell them to build a new telecom company that's built for data, not for voice. Meaning it should do voice, but it's really going to be built for data. Now, how brilliant was that? Hmm. This is 1997. And he, you know, that was, before that, you were dialed up on two copper wires to get yeah. the internet. I mean, people don't realize that. It was really slow, really unstable. With that awful sound as it connects oh, yeah. your horrible. modem. Horrible. So we, uh, what we did was we, um, uh, Buffett, you know, got us back together and said, this is what Gates is saying. And we looked into it and said, wow, we can do this. So there were four of us. And uh, they gave us, this is Buffett and his friends, they gave us $4 billion to start a company and a plane. <laughs> and uh, we didn't have a business plan, but we put one together. And so what ended up happening, we were one of about three or four companies that wired the world for data. So fiber, switches, routers, software that really became the backbone on which all the internet traffic was not all but terrestrial internet traffic not the not the cellular stuff we weren't in the cellular space so um it was crazy i mean you know uh we, we took it public uh that for we raised 12 billion more so we had a war chest of about 16 billion. And within a short period of time, our market cap, which means the value of the company, was about 130 billion. And I was a founder. And so I, you know, I got to participate in ownership. And um, but my first assignment was year one, go hire six thousand people. Well. Wow. So I, I needed Holy Spirit to show me how to do that. <laughs> that was almost impossible, and but we did, and we grew it, and um, it sold a couple of years ago for thirty some billion dollars, and um, but uh, it was it was you know trusting God because here's the reality for me when when. When we started Level 3, the second telecom, Buffett and his buddies were smart enough to say to the four of us, the founders, hey, if you're going to play in this game, you got to put all the money you just took out of the first telecom, you got to put it on the table and risk it. We want your skin in the game. So I had to go home and tell my wife that... Um, Hey, good news is I got a job today. Bad news is we got to take out a loan. So it was risky. I, I had to come up with multiple millions of dollars to do what I needed to do. And I had to trust that God had my back on this thing. And it worked out. Yeah. 
Wow, that's incredible. And I, I remember I was telling you beforehand, level level three, studying computer engineering. I, I remember um, level yeah. three and um, and its significance. We're probably doing this call today because of some of the some of the backbone. Yeah, well, a lot of the internet traffic runs on our backbone. In fact, uh, the the largest bandwidth user in North America. Can you guys guess who that might be? Nope. <laughs> Netflix. Wow. Uh, I believe it. Stream everything. So yeah. we're there. We, we've been their primary carrier. You know, wow. We run their yeah. streaming service over. So we've made a contribution. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So you made a comment about how when you were hiring all those people, you really needed the spirit to show you how to do that. Could you just kind of elaborate on that? Like, what did that look like for you? And and when you faced leadership challenges, how how did you lean into Holy Spirit? Well, you know, I I consider myself to be somewhat of a creative guy. Uh, not in the sense that I can paint or I'm a sculptor, or, but I'm a creative problem solver. And you know, this myth of God that we've had out there—it's been a site pop psychology myth that, that you can check it out if you want to but some people are right brain some people are left brain that's that's not god's design it isn't it's that's that's myth we now know more so much more about neuroscience that god intended us to use both sides of our brain right so on the creative side of my brain uh, I, you know, I had to come at these various challenges or obstacles with a, with a different power, with a different source. You know, uh, in Second Timothy, it talks about God didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity. He gave us a spirit of power, love, and the sound mind. I tapped into that. I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit lives right here inside of me. And that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same kind of power I can tap. And so what I came up with, just so you guys know the end of that story, was that I created, uh, a, I, I basically delegated the hiring to the hiring manager exclusively. So they had to go through a really, I had to become, make them all recruiters. And so I put together a very intensive training on how to source. There's like nine steps to getting finding an employee to getting them on board. I did a very in, immersive, intense training where they had to learn how to do that. And I was there as a safety net for them, but I wasn't doing the recruiting. And we, and we were able to hit our goals. It's amazing. And so at the height of this success, I mean, I think hearing your story even so far today, you'd go, okay, well, that that was a pretty easy trajectory. Things kind of came together for you. You know, on the outside, it's easy to to see all that. You have you have the money, you have the success, you have this company that you, you took a risk and yet got really blessed and, and gave you these opportunities. But um, in this journey, there was also some really hard moments. Yeah, there has been. Um, well, uh, my uh, my wife's parents, who we had moved back to Omaha for, were in a head-on collision. 
and her dad was killed and her mom died not long after. Um, really hard for my wife and me. And then, um, it, so we started level three in July of 97 and uh, November of 97, my daughter Lexi Alexis was her full name was born. And she was born with a very, very rare chromosome abnormality. And it was so rare that they couldn't tell us, give us a prognosis of where this was going to go. And our my world got shattered. Um, my wife had all this grief from her parents. And then uh, we had a, uh, you know, one and a half year old in the house, two teenagers. And I was, she's in Omaha and I was building a million square feet of real estate in Boulder, Colorado. And uh, it just was really intense, really hard. Because my daughter's situation was literally life and death. There were many times where she died in my arms and we'd pray and she'd come back and it was really, really hard. And you, you end up with something they call chronic grief, which is, you know, your body just uh, goes into a, you know, bad place um, where your adrenals get shot, your adrenaline's pumping up too much you know, adrenaline, and it was hard. It was hard to watch my wife go through that. And um, so I'm in, I'm holding my daughter in the hospital room one day, and I'm just feeling this incredible tension between getting back on an airplane to go back out to Boulder or stay with my family, and God and I are having a conversation, and felt like the Holy Spirit told me, you know, if you're asking, the choice is take care of your family. It's not, a, and even though I was having so much fun and, the, you know, with the work part of it, because I was working with guys I wanted to work with. I, we had all the money we needed. We were changing the world. Um, you know, I was making serious money even then. And, um, and basically I knew what I was giving up because if I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave, I, which I did do, I went on a sabbatical. I, I really felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to do that. I went on a sabbatical and I went from making a huge amount of money every year to being a childcare provider for my toddler, Christian, who was one and a half and my daughter who was hurting. And there was no money coming in. There was nobody looking at me saying, you know, you're amazing. You guys are, you know, pioneers. None of that. I was I was in the weeds deep. And it was an emotional roller coaster for us. And uh, fast forward, she lived about three and a half years. And... Um, a crazy little side story was that this was around uh, 2000 when the tech bubble burst and some of that stock that I own, um, my partners all kind of had to 
because we were inside traders, they had to hang on to their stock. They can only sell it in little windows. But because I was on a sabbatical, I sold most of my stock, well, a good chunk of it during that time. And I didn't have to go through that same downturn in the stock market that everybody else had to go through. So mm-hmm. it was God kind of watching out for me again. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I, it's nothing I do. It's just his mercy, his his way of using the situations around me to help me become a better witness, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, then three and a half years later, your daughter passed away. And... Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people came to the Lord during that season. Um. Uh, my best friend, my my secretary, <laughs> uh, just a whole bunch of people just saw the goodness of God in the middle of all that and gave their lives. So I felt like there was a real increase in the kingdom during that period. And then um, from there, I, 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 my family needed some real healing. So we did a two-pronged approach to having both our emotions and our body heal. I bought a place in Santa Barbara near the beach, and it was, that's heaven on earth. (laughs) But we also uh, ended up having a home in Kansas City where the House of Prayer is. Because of the House of Prayer, um, they always seem to have kind of these open heavens, you know, where... uh, you, know, you could just tangibly feel the presence of God. And so I went down there a lot. Um, and then eventually I went on staff with Mike Bickle, the guy who runs it as a chief operating officer and helped them set up a board and did a lot of healing during that season in both locations. And um, happy to tell you guys that we've overcome all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the grief. God's faithful. He's brought us back to a place of abundance. And I don't mean physical or financial abundance. I mean wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. And uh, that's part of our message is you can overcome. You don't have to live in grief. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be restored. He wants you to be whole. You know, I can't remember who the author is that said uh, something about God's greatest glory is to see man fully alive. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's where we live. May not show on my face all the time, but <laughs> that's pretty much our message is, uh, you know, uh, God's promises are true. Yeah. Wow. And uh, one of the things I'm I'm hearing a lot in your story is how God orchestrated things for you. There was this um like I, it would be a phone call from somebody or it would be an open door that just comes up and then but i'm also hearing that you had that obedience to step through those leadings as yeah. god led. and there were some times where i'm sure you had to take initiative and how how did you kind of walk that through your through your leadership journey as far as like is this something i need to wait on god for is this something i need to start working for pushing towards yeah you know i think god speaks to us all differently you know sometimes it's through reading scripture sometimes it's through uh, preaching somebody's preaching you know or sometimes it's through 
somebody giving us a prophetic word, or sometimes it's in a nighttime dream. Um, I've had all of those. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think that uh, the key for me is there's a big difference. And this is key. This is one of my key messages. There's a big difference between believing and following. I think you guys see what I'm talking about. The second big key thing that I like to talk about, there's a big difference between expectations and expectancy. Hmm. See the difference? Expectation says, I, God, you got to do come through for me on my terms. This is exactly how I want it. Can you, but if you live in a place of expectancy with your hands wide open, it's so much more easy to receive and hear and to obey because you're not so wrapped up in your own little agenda and your own little, you know, yeah. requirements. And so I've tried to live that way where it's more, um, you know, on, on all the big decisions. Um, I have a lot of nighttime dreams that help inform where we're going and fortunately my wife's been on this dream every step of the or this journey every step of the way and we really put a lot of time into praying about things and she's really kind of let me take the lead spiritually and uh it's been an it's been a journey because it wasn't always that way in our marriage either um she's had to learn um you know how to let me lead i've had to really learn how to you know rely on her counsel for you know decisions we need to make and um you know that's part of the marriage journey though too and the holy spirit's involved in the in the marriages and he made us so different. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, virtually every marriage I run into, you go, how does this work? You know, yeah. but God loves marriage and he, he really puts us in each other's lives to, to help each other and to, um, you know, to grow. And to, so we've really embraced studying, learning everything we can about how to have a healthy, successful marriage. And and uh, we're doing a lot better than we used to. Mm -hmm. If there was some advice that you would give to uh, uh, someone younger, yourself when you were um, younger, if you could, you know, you know, have that video that you could watch 30, 40, 50 years ago, and maybe even about marriage and about, about your journey, what would you tell yourself? Well, uh, you know, I've had I've had to deal with this, uh, you know, because I've had a few regrets. Uh, I I I was not real open to taking counsel from older, wiser men in my early days. I thought, well, they're from a different era. You know, they didn't have what the resources I have. They don't know my situation. They're kind of old fuddy duddies. Why do I need to? you know, stop long enough to even listen. And I wished I would have because it would have saved me a lot of, you know, aches and pains and 
you know, bumping into walls and um, and I think it would have made my path a little easier. So when, you know, I, I would tell young people to, you know, be hungry enough and curious enough that don't think you've got the answers or that just your peer group, you know, look to them as your role models or whatever. You know, you've got to, um, you know, we got to learn from you know, multi-generational learning is so critical, so critical. Otherwise, you're going to repeat the same stuff and have to go around the mountain three times before you find any success. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, uh, seen Steve Jobs before he died. I think it was in like 2007 or nine. He did a commencement address for Stanford University. Mm -hmm. You ever seen that one? Yeah. I forget it, but I remember seeing it. Yeah, and he said uh, this. He said, you know, really explore a lot, really take adventures. And because here's what will happen. If you, if you fall into a pattern or you fall into what the world thinks you need to do, um, you, you run the potential or the danger of living somebody else's life, not the life God intended for you. And man, that is so true that um, you got to spend the time. You know, I, my belief is that the inner journey is the most important journey you're going to take. That's the deepest adventure you're going to take. Not these adventures of, you know, jumping off the cliff or, you know, uh, putting yourself in danger or, you know, I, I'm all for those things. I do them. But that's, they're not the deepest adventures. The best adventure is going to be the one within, where you really understand who you are, what you, how you were made, and um, you know, you um, you stay true to that. Yeah, so that's good. really good. Um, you spoke earlier a little bit about Ezra and Nehemiah, and uh, one of the things we we really like about this podcast is that the people that are listening, not many of them, a few of them are church leaders, but we really want to speak to people who aren't church leaders. And so I'm just curious, kind of what, what do you want to say to the Nehemiahs, the people that are in business, maybe they're um, that, that are at churches and they really feel called to the business. They feel called to the marketplace. Um, what would you want to, how do you want to encourage them as far as how they can serve their church, how they, or even just in their own calling? Well, yeah, I'm glad you put that last piece on there, even in their own calling. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, this might be blasphemy for some people, but I, I have a hard time serving in my local church. God's wired me differently that I've, mm. I've started inner city after school youth programs as a ministry. Uh, I started these entrepreneur things when I was at Bethel and Reading. I, I believe God gives us uh, business is a calling, first Absolutely. of all. Yeah. And, and I think he gives us visions on how we can help increase the kingdom rather than just be a guy who follows somebody else's vision. And uh, mm -hmm. and uh, so it, that's really what the story of Ezra and Nehemiah was. Nehemiah came at this thing from a completely different point of view. And, uh, but boy, did, and he had the skill sets and it made all the difference. And so I think that, um, 
you know, if you're if you're in business and you really want to, you know, work within the kingdom, there's there's a great book out there called uh, Marketplace Christianity by a guy named Bob Fraser, Robert Fraser. And in that book, he talks about there are so many roles that marketplace people play in the kingdom, not just, oh, I'm going to evangelize everybody at work. I mean, that's one out of maybe seven or eight different callings you can have as a marketplace guy. So if you want to know more about that, um, check that book out because it really does talk about uh, the Nehemiahs and the Cyrus and a bunch of different models from scripture that really show that, um, you know, the marketplace is where all the lost people are and where all the darkness is. And so you got to kind of, you know, and, and don't, don't wait to get permission. Gosh, I can't tell you how many people, well, I should talk to my pastor and see what he thinks. And maybe I can get the other people in our church involved in this. And I'm like, no, just go. Just go. You don't mm -hmm. need permission to go do the kingdom work. So good. So good. And I, you know, um, I kind of dovetail to that. I meet, we both meet with a bunch of leaders and lately I've been having a conversation with a lot of young leaders who are in marketplace business. Um, and they're, you know, they're working for others, but they have this like, call i think i need to start something i feel like and they're they're waiting for god to kind of their purpose and then there's something more and they're, they're in the wrestle um and what would you say to people like that well first of all um having the gift of being an entrepreneur is one of the rarest and that doesn't get talked about enough they, there's a group out of Kansas City called the Kaufman Foundation, and they've estimated that only one out of a thousand really has got that gift. Hmm. And a lot of other people are out there trying to make this gift produce or trying to get the gift, and they, you know, they can't make it go. And um, so, uh, you know, I think you before you jump in you know and, and risk your life savings or cash out your 401k program or whatever uh borrow money from people you really need to do your homework and really make an assessment am i really really called to this does i having a good idea is not enough you know there, there's a huge difference between inventors and entrepreneurs Inventors fall in love with an idea or a concept or a product. Entrepreneurs chase opportunity. And they'll pivot and they'll go wherever that opportunity leads them. Huge difference. So just because you got a good idea or just because you're tired of working for the man, <laughs> that is not a qualification for selling it all and jumping in the entrepreneurial pool. You got to do your homework on that. And, um, you know, I mean, you can do, you can work for somebody and have a side hustle too. I mean, you know, there's nothing that says you can't do that, but be careful what you're asking for when you quit and then jump into these things because uh, it's all consuming. It, wow. It's kind of like when people used to go to Bethel from all parts of the world 
th there was a saying out in Bethel that, uh, at least in Reading, that it was it was the Reading shredding, meaning you could go there and, and get your butt handed to you in a sense that you think you're going to make money, you think you're going to be successful, you think you're going to life is going to be good because you're in this hyper spiritual atmosphere. And guess what? That's not true. Most people that went there had some major shredding or shedding um, that, you know, had to be dealt with. So if you're not called to a place like that, it can be very painful. And the same thing's true. If you're not mm -hmm. called to be an entrepreneur, man, I'd think twice about it. Oh, so good. And uh, maybe we'll we'll just uh, one more question and we'll have you pray for us if that's OK today. And uh, just want to talk about, you know, you kind of touched on this and this is kind of where your life is right now in terms of legacy and ending well. And, you know, you and Robbie teaching and, and giving and, and kind of trying to raise up people. Um, yeah, what, what does that look like in these seasons for you of, of, okay, how do I coach and, and what does that, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm kind of, a, I'm, I'm going to be 70, uh, this yeah. next year. And so I'm, uh, you know, I still have a lot of, you know, gas in the tank, so to speak, but, um, I'm being very selective about what I say yes to and, um, just being a little more intentional and I'm letting, I'm letting the Holy spirit bring things to me. You know, there's a saying that for basketball players, you know, uh, you know, let the game come to you. And, um, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm letting the game come to me, which is doing things like this podcast. And I get a lot of invitations to do stuff, but I don't say yes to very many. Um, just because I want to, I, I, you know, there's uh, Stephen Covey, the guy that did the seven habits of highly effective people. One of his habits was, you know, you got to sharpen the saw. And what that means is I, I'm no good if I'm not really heavily centered and based in my relationship with Christ and spending time um you know, uh, filling myself up, getting saturated. So I'm spending more of my time doing that than I am out there performing or hustling or looking for something to do. And um, it's, uh, you know, I think that's probably God's plan, you know, as, as, you know, as you get older, your energy wanes a little bit. Um, I still got a lot of good energy, but uh, I'm I'm settling into a more of a well, John Eldridge, a wild at heart guy, says uh, men go through four stages. Okay, mm -hmm. first stage is a cowboy, where you you know you're a young teenager and you think you can handle anything. You're just you jump into things you shouldn't jump into. <laughs> Second stage is a warrior which is about the time where, you know, uh, soldiers are developed. They want to, they want to, they want to fight for something bigger than themselves, a bigger cause. The next stage is a lover. And that's where you fall in love and you think about a family. The fourth stage is a king. 
And that's what I was for a lot of years, a king. And, you know, where I have my kingdom, you know, I'm, I got my thing. I'm making money off it. I'm, I'm building a reputation. But the fifth stage, the final stage is called sage. And I think I'm at the beginning of the beginning of sage, which is more like the guru, you know, let people come to you and, you know, you're, you're not, and, and, you know, when you're in a king stage, you're, it's, uh, you're, you're competing. When you're in the sage stage, you're completing. Hmm. Big difference. And that's kind of where I find myself today. Oh, so good. So good. Well, I want to invite you to pray for us. And yeah. we just believe that, that as people are listening or watching this podcast, maybe they're at home, maybe they're on their morning commute, that they would uh, feel the spirit. We're not just talking about Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit is is uh, available in wherever someone is. And so would you just pray? Pray for those that maybe are in business and, and all of that as God yeah. leads you. All right. Lord, um... It's fun talking with these guys and reminiscing a little bit. So thank you for the journey you've had me on. Um, Lord, uh, the first thing that came to mind was if they haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I pray that that happens. They're curious, curious enough to go out and find out what that means, because some people may be listening who have never had that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's pretty critical. So uh prompt them to do that um and then lord i would pray that um people would get a uh kind of step out of their comfort zone a little bit and start looking at the world a little differently that it's not somebody else is supposed to make this happen for me it's it's time spent with you, Lord, that's going to give them the answers, all the answers they need for life in terms of their purpose, their destiny, their journey. It's all within them because you live within them and they can tap into that and they can have the answers that they're looking for. But it requires some shifting of some time to mm-hmm. help them to prioritize, help them to find the right, you know, uh, quiet space, quiet time, help them develop this intimate, conversational relationship with you, Lord. Yeah. Where there's no doubt that when the, when you're telling them to do something, that they know it. And, that, uh, and then give them the courage, Lord, to act upon that, to be obedient, and to uh, live the life that you called them to live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, so so good. Thank you so much. And if people want to get your book, what how do they do that? Well, it's interesting because uh I you know, my books got out of print. Um I have uh copies of my book uh here with me, but everything you're gonna get on Amazon is gonna be used. Not, hopefully not as bad as the one you got. But <laughs> yeah, I got one that the dog used it as well. It was so, uh, still uh, I could read it. Yeah, so uh, you know, there's always a market for the used books, so I wouldn't hesitate to do that. I didn't write it to make money or to sell books, but um, I I still rely on Amazon. Uh, um, 
or you know I, when i speak when i go out and do some speaking i usually bring books with me but um the most the book i'm most excited about is the one my wife's just about done with so stay tuned okay well that's awesome well hey i want to just say thank you so much such an honor to have you join us um hear your story and uh so impactful and so thank you so much you bet you bet guys good luck with your stuff well, that was just an amazing conversation. Uh, I don't know about you, Travis, but I was just so moved when he talked about how all of the journey that he had as a leader, all of the different things that he went into, all the different things he worked for or achieved, he said that that wasn't as important as the inward journey, the journey into knowing himself, knowing God's voice, leading from a place of relationship, man. I just, I was so impacted by that to hear somebody who's gone through so much and experienced so much, but, but finding that the most important thing is in Christ. Uh, wow. That was so good. What, what did you think about our conversation, Trav? Oh, I'm still kind of processing it. It it was um, just incredible to hear. I mean, the the impact of his leadership, um, the companies that he served, uh, mm-hmm. the, the people from Buffett's to the Gates to, you know, you had all these incredible people. Um, again, I, I said this before, but level three was at the forefront of the internet. And yeah. um, just just everything that he was involved in. And then seeing Kingdom Impact, seeing, well, yeah. well, yes, I was successful in that, but true success, I'm helping the kingdom, whether it's um, at, uh, you know, International House of Prayer or or the homeless shelters he's been on boards of or YWAM he serves on and all these ways that he's like giving now and still at 70 years old going, okay, how do I how do I help? How do I, how do I end well? And, um, and just another thing that really stood out to me was his journey in marriage and how they've had to like learn and how he had to honor his wife in his book. He he talks about the story where he had to really, he wanted a car. He wanted a, I think a 1967 Corvette and he really wanted to buy it and he didn't end up buying it. Um, and he felt like, cause his wife said no. And he goes, I wouldn't enjoy it if my wife didn't <laughs> approve of it. And so he said no. And yet he couldn't get the idea of this car. He's like, God, is this bad? I wanted this car. And he just like gave it to the Lord and he gave it to the Lord and he, for like weeks. And it came back to him. He's like, God, I just pray you change your mind or something. And then one day, all of a sudden he gets a call from his daughter who owned a coffee shop and said, hey, can you come? I need you to sign some papers. So he shows up at the coffee shop and parked right in front is that Corvette. <laughs> and his wife and his daughter came out and said, dad, we bought you the car. Nice. <laughs> and so he gave up that. He, he honored his wife. And yet through that, God, like he, his mm. wife gave him this gift and That's it was awesome. such a, a thing of honor. And I just oh. think even his life on how he honored people, I mean, he mm. was human resources, right? So you're, you're building culture, you're, you're treating people right. And um, uh, just, just really cool to see that level of excellence in the kingdom. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have to, you know, when you say yes to God and yes to the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean you got to live this life of, um, you can only go so high as own a franchise, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he's at the executive level and yet he, he loves Jesus and mm-hmm. loves the spirit and God's used him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love to kind of how he, he's all about legacy. And, and I, even as you're sharing that, Travis, I'm just thinking about all of the people that are listening right now and, 
and just the impact that this conversation today could have as uh as i know many of you that are listening the what god's placed in your heart is going to see amazing things for the kingdom and uh, i just think it's really cool that we get to be a part of kind of hopefully unlocking something in your own heart unlocking maybe a dream unlocking some boldness some faith uh in some ways and so i I just want to encourage you that are listening like what's your legacy going to be how are you going to step in um and uh and and even today how how can mike's story impact how you live your life it's just just a really cool thought and you know what donovan i i want to read just uh on the last chapter of his book he writes this he says in the last few years i sat down to evaluate my life and thought I'm no longer a narrow-focused high flyer who is far removed from outside trauma, unable to come close enough to suffering to feel its unjust stench. The anxiety about my own progression and vitality is gone. I've experienced suffering firsthand, and I've come to understand how my talents and connections benefit others. I've become mm-hmm. a journey. I began a journey that is fundamental to any man, whether wow. business executive or priest, to be trusted with the hearts of others. And he writes on, I'm not afraid to state that I'm still growing. I'm a man on a journey, but recognizing the journey's purpose has brought me peace. And I'm gaining confidence as I stare at the long road ahead. In the distance, the light wavers, blurring the road's direction. I cannot see its end, but I anticipate an unspeakable horizon. I'm continually pursuing the more, although I feel content, much like my father did about our family. And then he finishes my final challenges. How will you bring purpose to your prosperity? And kind of like, how do you bring purpose to what God has blessed you with? And um, so God, we pray over each one of us. I know Mike prayed for us, but even feel, feel led today to just pray. Mm -hmm. Um, You would give us purpose, purpose to the blessings that you've given us purpose to the things that you've provided. I pray for every business person that's watching. I pray for new ideas to be sparked, even in this call that the Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs would know, yes, that's my call as an entrepreneur. And, and God, if, if we're called, if those listening are called to serve someone else, um, would they serve well? And would you um, open doors, God, for those that are frustrated today and where they're at, God, we just pray a breakthrough over their situation. And God, I just pray an increase of of marketplace ministers, marketplace leaders filled with the spirit, leading well and leaving a legacy. Amen. Good. Amen. 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 Well, I just want to say, hey, thanks so much for watching, for listening today uh, Mm -hmm. to the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. We are glad you are on this journey, um, and we can't wait till our next conversation, our next episode. But uh, would you do us a favor? Would you, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we're on YouTube. If you didn't know that, you can actually see Mike live. You can see our faces um you can watch us on youtube you could you leave a comment could you leave a like could you uh share the video with someone if you're listening to this podcast on your phone or on any way that you get a podcast would you text somebody and say hey this is a podcast you would you would you share it on social media a screenshot something like that would you help us get the word out we just believe this is a resource uh for right now for the kingdom and we want to see it go far and so we actually need your help to help us get it and and maybe you're listening on wherever you get your podcast would you write a review um of the podcast it really helps our ratings and it helps people hear about it um and so that would be amazing if you want more info on our ministry the ministry of resurgence donovan and i are full-time with resurgence uh, live resurgence.com 
there's a there's a page about the podcast. You can uh, contact us. Let us know some ideas that you have for podcasts, things you'd like to hear. Maybe there's a there's somebody that you've heard you go, hey, you guys need to get them on the podcast. Uh, send us that. Let us know who we need mm-hmm. to invite and interview. And uh, love to can keep having this conversation with you. Uh, tell us what you're learning. Send uh, into our contact. Just say, hey, I'm learning this or this is a point that was so great. That would just help us um, and hear from you and tell us your leadership journey. That would be amazing. So again, uh, anything else we need to share, Donovan? No, I think that's it. It's been such an honor uh, having this conversation and yeah, looking forward to connecting with those of you who are listening. Uh, See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.